welcome back to another episode of Into the Airbnb, where we talk with Airbnb hosts about their short-term rental experience. Today's guest is Caitlin Almeida, based in Richmond, Virginia, who is an experienced Airbnb host and Airbnb ambassador. In this episode, Caitlin will share with us her experiences doing owned rentals, rental arbitrage, and co-hosting, along with some great tips for Airbnb hosts. This episode is sponsored by Airbnb the only one analytics dashboard for short-term rental investors and managers, where you can find precise Airbnb data such as occupancy rate, revenue, average daily rate, and so on. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Can you tell us how did you get started on Airbnb? Sure. Um, so I really started as a traveler. I started using Airbnb to, to stay at spaces um, in 2014, and I just really fell in love with the platform. Um, the hosts that I, that I was able to stay with um, really inspired me and motivated me to give hosting a go. So, um, and I've always loved to create warm and inviting spaces through interior design. And I love just meeting people. I'm a people person. So I felt like this was a great way to do all of that. Um, so when I was 24, I purchased my first home and I set up my first listing, which was just a private bedroom and bathroom within my primary residence. And how was your experience renting your, in your house? It was great. I loved it. Um, no issues at all. I met some really cool people. Um, yeah, I know no issues whatsoever. Oh, so you have good look with that. That's great. You yeah. told me, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really fun. I have met some of my best friends through hosting private bedrooms on Airbnb. Um, it's been a few years since I've done that. I was able to purchase another house and now I, I only rent out full spaces. But mm -hmm. just getting started, that was a fantastic way to, to kind of get my foot in the door, if you will. Yes, that's right. I agree. You told me previously that you have done rental arbitrage and co-hosting in the past. Can you tell mm -hmm. us a bit of your uh, experience with that? Um, my experience with that was I'm grateful for it because it has led me to a lot of opportunities. But at the end of the day, I was not building any equity with those spaces. I was putting a lot of love and energy and money into fixing these spaces up and I didn't own them. Um, I was paying rent and I didn't make a, a lot of money because my rent was really high because they knew what I was doing with rental arbitrage. Mm -hmm. Um, I always try to get people, if they're able to purchase, like that is the best thing that you can do because you're building equity. You will be able to, to sell that house in the long run and get that money plus some back. Um, Co-hosting is, is a great way to get your foot in the door without um, even, you know, worrying about paying a lease every month. So I, I try to get people to, to look into co-hosting. I know it can be kind of hard sometimes to find property owners to work with, um, but that is great because you're just making a percentage, right? Of, of each reservation. You don't have to pay monthly to be renting that space. So I think right. that was a big perk. 
If it's not too personal, can you tell us about how do you see the difference between the revenue you're getting right now that you own a property and you're renting out that than the revenue you saw before doing rental arbitrage? Yeah, so it's a lot more. Um, with rental arbitrage, the property owner, again, they knew that I was subleasing the space out. And because of that, my mm -hmm. rent was very, very high. Um, I basically was just making the cleaning fees and a little bit on top of that. Um, with my property now that I own, you know, it's all mine. A hundred percent of the, the profit that I'm making is mine. I just have to pay my mortgage. Um, but I'm certainly making a larger profit. That's for sure with the property that I own. Okay, that sounds good. Um, how was your experience? Uh, how did you get to uh, convince landlords to do rental arbitrage? Because some hosts right now who like to get started on Airbnb might not have the money to buy a property right now mm -hmm. and are interested in doing rental arbitrage to get started, see how it goes. Uh, was there any a particular thing you did to convince the landlord? Um, I, I think one thing that really helped me was the fact that I already had a listing. Um, I was already an Airbnb host. Um, and so I was able to show that and say, hey, look, I'm already a super host. These are my reviews. Here's like what my listing looks like. Um, I had background in hospitality. So that helped and also marketing. I was a brand manager for a long time for a marketing agency. So really focusing on that. Um, the fact that I was living at the property was a huge plus for, for the property owner um, because they knew that I was gonna be there on site all the time, um, just in case anything were to happen. Um, and I, I think a big plus is that I was keeping these spaces really, really nice, you know, because it mattered for my own business. So the property owners knew that like it was cleaned all the time, like in better shape than it ever had been before. And I was constantly putting love into making it better and better and better. So it's nice with just short-term rentals in general um, that you can constantly improve the property. It's more flexible. You have time between guests to make mm -hmm. things better. Um, so that was something that I really focused on when I was chatting with the property owner at the beginning. Um, and, but so that was like a, um, like a mom and pop, just a a singular property owner investor that I worked with. Now, another route that you can go if you're interested in rental arbitrage is actually looking for apartment complexes that actually allow it. Um, and this is becoming a lot more popular because there's so much demand for this. So in a lot of larger cities, there's apartment complexes that specifically allow home sharing or flexible living. Um, I, I had an apartment in San Francisco that allowed that. And that's the whole reason why we signed a lease was because they allowed home sharing. So um, that could be an easier way for people who are interested in rental arbitrage um, to find a space is just by looking for Airbnb friendly apartments. Yes, I agree with that. Uh, I didn't know about it. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. And so just keep in mind also that every city has different rules as far as short-term rental regulations go. Okay. So in some cities actually do not allow rent, rental arbitrage. 
So mm-hmm. if anyone is interested, if anyone's listening to this and they're interested, the first thing you want to do is check in with your local laws to know, to familiarize yourself with that and know exactly what is legal and what is not legal in your area. So in the area you're hosting right now, what is the seasonality like? Um, in Richmond, it, the peak season is definitely the summertime. So um, like May through August is more popular. It's not really much of a vacation town. Some people come in to, I mean, it's, it's a fun city, but it's not like, you know, Miami or LA or anything like that. Um, yeah. I do get a lot of weekenders that come in. So they check in on Fridays, check out on Sundays. Um, but I'm definitely able to increase the rate on the, during the summer season the most. Is there, are there any particular regulations there? Yes. So in Richmond, um, it has to be your primary residence. So you have to reside there um, at least 180 days out of the year. And um, that's the biggest regulation. You have to have a permit. So you have to apply with the city and get a short-term rental permit um, mm-hmm. in, in order to host under 30 nights, like reservations that are under 30 nights. Um, a lot of hosts around here to kind of get around that will have a furnished space that they rent out for 30 or more nights. So kind of doing that midterm stay. So um, kind of attracting like traveling nurses are really popular around here or folks that are relocating. Maybe they're buying um, new property and they just need a place to live for like a month or two that's furnished. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the demographic that a lot of folks host here in particular. Um, try to target um but yeah the, for as far as regulations go it just has to be your primary residence and that's pretty much it and just get that permit and oh and they make sure that you have smoke detectors in your house and mm-hmm. carbon monoxide if you have gas um mm-hmm. just safety requirements nothing crazy I see. And is it hard to get that permit? That's why other hosts are um, currently hosting 30 days or more? Um, it's hard to get a permit if it's not your primary residence. Um, I okay. It took me a while to get a permit just because it was just very slow. The city just it wasn't in a rush to get it to me. I know that mm-hmm. in Richmond in particular, um, there's about 800 short-term rental units currently live in the city, but only 14 of them have permits. So most hosts actually do not get a permit in Richmond. So that's something that the city needs to be more active with. Um, they're not really, there's not really any consequences right now. So a lot of people are like, okay, I'm just gonna put it up on Airbnb and see what happens. I see, so it's not that regulated then. I see. Yeah, like there are laws, but there's no consequences. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's something that the city is working on. Um, mm-hmm. And I know that they are, they're gonna change or they're looking to change the regulations. Mm-hmm. Um, and make more of a pathway for folks that's, that's easier. Um, and I know that there's a lot of push from real estate investors, of course, to allow them to Airbnb a space out all year round that is not their primary residence. So 
that's mm-hmm. something that they're pushing very hard right now with Richmond. And also to allow rental arbitrage, because currently rental mm-hmm. arbitrage is actually illegal in the city of Richmond, but there's a huge demand for it. Okay, good to know that. Thank you for sharing that with us. Mm-hmm. In the high season versus low season, sorry, how is your average occupancy rate? Yeah, so I mean, my pricing is dynamic. I change it all the time. So my occupancy rates stay pretty consistent year round. I'm just making a little bit less money in like the winter months. Can, can we know how does your revenue change in this month? How does my revenue? Revenue, sorry. Oh, revenue. Yeah, um, it's definitely lower in the summer months. Or sorry, mm-hmm. in the winter months, um, much higher in the summer months. Um, I just started renting out my listing in Richmond as an entire house um, mm-hmm. in December. So it's only been a few months that I've been doing it um, with the entire space. But so mm-hmm. far, I've definitely seen that like June, like the farther into the summer I'm getting, the more people mm-hmm. are paying. Um so yeah, I'm, but I'm constantly going in there every day pretty much and, and tinkering with the pricing. And of course it's higher for the, the holidays and the weekends um, and in general for the summer months, but uh, occupancy rates stay pretty much consistent. I like to have my space booked about um, 50% of each month. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm always able to, to do that. Oh. And now that you talk about that, what is your pricing strategy? Yeah, so um, I go the DIY route. I do it my, my own. I've never paid for like an automated pricing service or anything. Like I said, I tinker with the pricing almost every day. I, I, when I have a brand new listing, of course, I find comparable listings or comps on Airbnb. Um and at the beginning of with any brand new listing, you don't have reviews, so you have to have a really high value to get some guests in. So I usually go about 20% lower um, at the very beginning. Um, and something that, that I do is I'll only open up um, my calendar three months in advance at any time. So I only have three months in advance that I'm booking. Um, and that way I can keep a really close eye on all the dates. Um, you know, I'm not allowing people to book a year from now because like who knows there might be a big event that's happening and it's like not announced yet I like to really right. keep a close eye on those things um and like I said I charge a lot more on Friday nights and Saturday nights because I'm trying to attract a lot of weekenders in Richmond um holidays days where there's special events sporting events concerts I can charge a bit more usually Sunday through Wednesday is quite a bit lower um in mm-hmm. price from from the weekends um but yeah I kind of just feel it out you know and I tell a lot of my my hosts that I work with to do this as well like if you go live with a new listing and the first day you're live you get 10 reservations like you might want to increase your price a bit or if you're not getting any reservations for a few days decrease it by a little bit and like over time you'll kind of find that healthy happy medium mm-hmm do you also check on the pricing of your competition to set out your pricing? 
Yeah, like um, comparable listings in the area for sure. Um, yeah, I'm very familiar with the other Airbnbs that are in the neighborhood, how big they are, you know, how long they've been around. Because of course, like the more reviews you have and if you're super host status and all that, you'll be able to increase the price of it too. Um, yeah. But yes, I always suggest, you know, if you have a brand new listing or even if you're thinking about like purchasing this house, and you know where it is, like look for comparable listings, go on to Airbnb as a guest and do a search just as, you know, as you were, if you were going to stay there and add in the filters, you know, how many bedrooms, bathrooms and beds, any special amenities that it has, um, that your place has and, and see what their prices are like and actually click in on them and look at the photos and see how similar they are to, to your design and whatnot. Um, yeah, just like a real estate agent would do, right? Finding comps, mm -hmm. very important. Yeah, right. That's right. Um, so throughout the years, what have been your top challenges while running Airbnb? Um, let's see. I think a challenge for me, and this was me going from having a nine to five job my whole life to becoming a full-time Airbnb super host. This isn't going to be as challenging if you just have one or two units that you're doing like part-time. Um, but for me, it's, it was a big challenge was just being available and in keeping in mind that my, my guests are paying a premium to stay at my spaces on weekends, on holidays, on those special events, which I might want to attend as well. So just like being available and having, and also having solid internet access 24 seven during guest stays is something that I've had to get used to, um, you know, being available in the middle of the night on Friday night, if like somebody can't get through the door, like that doesn't really happen anymore, but, um, that is something that you just have to be really proactive about. Or if you know that you're going to be on vacation with your own family for the 4th of July weekend and you have guests coming, you wanna make sure that there's somebody there, maybe a co-host or a cleaner that can answer questions should they arise and, and you're not available. Um, so that was a pretty big challenge for me, just being available 24 seven during your guest days. Um, what else? Like city regulations, of course, can be a bit challenging depending on where you live. Um, it, honestly, it wasn't that bad for me to get a permit here in Richmond, but I, I know that it can sometimes take months um, depending on where you live. And there's a lot of hoops that you have to jump through to get a permit for, um, for a short-term rental um, in the area. I'm also thinking, uh, what other challenges? Finding a cleaner. Or just, mm -hmm. you know, having the time to clean all these spaces is quite a challenge that I hear from a lot of new hosts. Um, finding too. a really dependable cleaner that can um, do your turnovers. Um, I have a cleaner now, but even with her, she's amazing, but I still go in after every cleaning and I make sure it's all staged correctly and the pillows are fluffed and there's fresh cookies on the counter and like those little things. But yeah, finding a good cleaner was quite a challenge at the beginning. And can you tell us how did you manage to find a good cleaner and or how do you deal with that? What are the filters they have to go through to stay as your cleaner? Yeah, so there is a really awesome website now. It's an app as well. It's called Turnover b, &B. Have you heard of it? 
Yes, I have. Yeah, so I love it. Um, It's wonderful. That's how I met my current cleaner. Um, You can pop in your, your property's address, how many bedrooms and bathrooms it has, and it will notify local cleaners in your area that actually specialize in short-term rental turnovers because, you know, it is a bit different from a general cleaning. Um, so you can go to their profiles, read their reviews from past hosts that they've worked with. You can interview them. Um, I had her come over. We met in person, and I gave her a tour of the house, and I showed her exactly how it should look after every turnover before each guest arrives and I pointed out little things and like this is how I like the bed to be made and this is um you know where your cleaner your cleaner's closet where you can find all of your um the bolt items that you might need um and we just hit it off she's she's a fantastic cleaner um and she's been my main cleaner ever since then um and we still go through turnover bnb so she can um, like check in when she starts a cleaning and I can see that she's arrived. There's um, like a checklist and I can see exactly what she's working on during her time there. She can upload photos when she's done with the cleaning. Um, and when she's done, it will automatically pay her. So my credit card is attached with my turnover BNB account. And as soon as she's done, she clicks done and she gets paid. So that's really nice. I don't even have to worry about that. It's like all automated now. So um, as much of a DIYer as I am, that is one website that I find really helpful as a host. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Glad to hear your experience with that um, page. I've heard. Sorry about that. (laughs) Okay. No problem. I've heard from other uh, previous guests on these podcasts that they mostly search for cleaners in their local area and just find them through interviews and stuff like that. So it's good to hear a new fresh way to do it. Yeah, I always tell new new hosts like check out Turnover BNB. Um, mm-hmm. But if you have a hard time finding it there because it's not it's not super popular in every city yet. It's definitely great for larger cities. Um, mm-hmm. But if you have a hard time finding a cleaner there, ask a local real estate agent. I like real estate agents are great to be friends because they tend to have a lot of connections can probably introduce you to a good cleaner or or even like also an electrician or a plumber or other people that you might need um, during your hosting adventures. So that's great advice. Um, You already gave us a lot of tips, but is there any particular tip you'd like to share for other Airbnb hosts or new Airbnb hosts? Yeah, sure. Um, I think a big thing that I, uh, this is kind of another challenge that I had and something to just keep Mm -hmm. in mind is when you first start hosting, don't be perfect. It's okay to not be perfect. You're not going to be perfect. You're listing you're going to learn so much and you're going to get better and better over time. You just got to dive in, you know, and every day you'll like learn little things and little nuggets of information. You'll make your listing better and take new photos over time and get new amenities. And that's okay. You know, that's enjoy the journey. It doesn't have to be perfect right from the beginning. Um, Another tip is to hire a professional photographer because photos are extremely important to the success of your listing and people are very visual creatures. Um, Listings with high quality photos do tend to get booked more. And in my experience, it has been totally worth it to hire a professional real estate photographer. Um, What else? 
as with everything, communication is key. Um, fill out as much information as you can on your listing, really take advantage of the scheduled messages and message templates that you can use to help automate things. Um, and just make sure that your guest knows that, that you care about their experience and that you're there if, should they need anything during their stay. Um, and then finally, my last little tip is just to connect with lo local hosts in your area. It's great to have that network of other people who are doing something similar and live in, in the same area, um, just mm -hmm. to bounce ideas off of or ask questions to. Um, it, it's great to be involved with not only the local hosts in your area, but just in general, your neighborhood, HOA, your city, like going to board meetings, staying up to date on changes that might be happening with short-term rental regulations in right. your area. It's really important to show up. Involved. I agree with that. I agree with that, totally. Um, is there any particular uh, experience you've had in the past with travel guests? Because um, many hosts have um, have had an encounter with these type of people, and usually when they tell their story online, they scare a lot, like the new hosts or soon-to-be hosts. Yeah. So it will be great for you to share that if you have any experience with that. Um, you know, nothing. I'm gonna be honest. I've hosted well over a thousand guests, and there's not really any time where there's been a guest that was like a really bad egg. Um, I've gotten really lucky. I think it's because I, I vet my guests well and I am very, make things very personalized. I'm trying to think of like a bad thing that happened. I know one time I was threatened a bad review um, because um, the, well, and maybe this is true. The guest said that there was, um, a, a bit of um, like the top of the refrigerator or the back of the refrigerator had some dust on it. And so mm -hmm. she threatened to give me a bad review if I didn't um, give her her money back for the stay. Um, mm -hmm. And that was really challenging for me. It kind of broke my heart to be honest because I put so much time and love into creating this space and making her cookies and I said multiple times throughout her stay like if you need anything at all let me know I live right next door nothing not a peep and then once she checked out she sent me a message demanding the money or get or sending me a bad review um and at the time I didn't know I sent her like half the money I was just really upset about it. If that happens now, I know that I can just call Airbnb and let them know that the guest is threatening a bad review and they can take the mm -hmm. review off. That's a thing that Airbnb will do for you if there's clear evidence. Um, but that was that was a bummer for me. Um, just because I, I just put so much love into it and I felt like it wasn't appreciated in that particular instance. But like no one's ever hosted a party as far as I know, or like left the house a mess or anything like that. I've, I've really had fabulous guests. Um, if anything, I've, you know, like I've said, I've met some of my best friends. People leave me presents all the time. Like mm -hmm. it's very rewarding to be a host. And I know sometimes, uh, especially in like groups on Facebook, 
for hosts and whatnot, it's easy to focus on the bad things that happen. You can have mm -hmm. 200 amazing guests and five-star reviews and it's great, but like the one guest that comes in and doesn't follow a rule or leaves a bad review, it really sticks with you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So it's easy to focus on. And I understand why you see those online and whatnot, but you can't, that's not the majority of the experiences. So. Mm -hmm. You got very lucky with guests then. You would say that, um, is there any particular thing you do that make you have this really good relationship with guests? I think just having a very personalized experience, like, mm -hmm. you know, whenever they message me, even though I have templates where I can like upload them for all the check-in directions, for example, I still always add, you know, at the top of it, hey, Jen, I hope you're looking forward to your birthday weekend. You know, just like those little things that they tell me, I'll remember them and I'll, and I'll right. talk about them and just really try to make it as personalized as I can. If they say it's their birthday weekend, I'll get them some cupcakes from a local bakery or, you know, like have a little gift that's waiting for them when they arrive. Um, those little things can make such a big difference for a guest. Even just having a personalized welcome board that has, you know, welcome, Jen, you know, when they arrive and they see that as soon as they walk through the door, it can completely make their whole experience. Like it, it starts it off on a positive note. Um, mm -hmm. So I just think those little things, and I call them cherry on top items, <laughs> COT mm -hmm. items. I think these are a are a big reason why I've had so many respectful guests and so many fabulous reviews um, because they know that I really truly care about their experience. It's not just about the money for me. I, I'm doing it because I love people. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. That's great. Um, so I'd like to know, lastly, how do you um, choose your guests and, and, or how do you decide to accept their booking. Do you usually uh, check on their background, something particular you do for this? Yeah, great question. So I do, um, I have opted into the, um, um, the verified ID process that Airbnb has. So Airbnb verifies every guest who stays at my space has to have a verified ID. That is something that Airbnb does for me. I never ask mm -hmm. for guest IDs, um, but they have to upload it onto Airbnb and be verified by them in order to book one of my listings. So that's one thing I do. Um, another thing, I do allow instant booking, but only guests who already have positive five-star reviews from past hosts can book my spaces instantly. Um, and if they don't, maybe they're just a, new, a newbie to the website and they just haven't booked before, that would come to me manually to approve or decline. So if that's the situation, I'll ask them some extra questions. Um, hey, what brings you to town? Any special occasions? Is this your first time coming here? Um, I noticed the number of guests on the reservation is two. Is this correct? What is the name of the other guest? Um, Usually I get a pretty good sense of somebody just from having a bit of a conversation. I feel like the more communication I have, the better I feel about a reservation. I feel like a lot of hosts are like that. Um, so um, just asking those questions and um, letting, again, letting them know that I'm available should any questions arise throughout the whole process. I'm always free, mm -hmm. message me anytime. Um, 
I think those have helped. I know that when I was in San Diego, I met a lot of my guests in person when they first arrived. And I know that was really helped because when they meet somebody in person face to face, there's, there's just something about that human connection. And they're like, Oh, this is actually a cool person. Like they seem like a friend and I want to, I want to respect their space. And they also knew that I lived right next door. So like I could hear, you know, they're being loud or something, but I had very respectful guests. Um, today I'm trying to do a bit more remote hosting. So not meeting every single guest in person. Um, but Mm -hmm. I do send a welcome video of myself, just, Hey, welcome to Richmond. Like, let me know if you need anything. And I'll just include that little video in in the welcome message that I send. And I think that also helps. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us? Um, you know, if, if anyone's listening and they're interested in hosting on Airbnb, go for it. It's the best thing that I've ever done. It's completely changed my life in so many positive ways, which is why I get so amped on helping new people, um, start their own Airbnb businesses. So just, just do it. Just dive in. You won't regret it. (laughs) Great. Thank you so much for your time today. Absolutely. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Into the Airbnb. We're looking for hosts and other people in the short-term rental industry to interview. If you have what we need and would like to share your experience in this podcast, please send us an email. All the info is at the end of the description.